Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O. Hey guys, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about how to kick fear to the curb and I need science with me. So I'm not just rambling. Science, good morning. How are you? Good morning, John. How are you? I'm well. And I love that uh, on our podcast, it now says uh, science and magic. <laughs> we need to, speaking of t-shirts, we need t-shirts that say science and magic respectively so that when we hang out, folks will, un- folks will know. Yeah. I think if I had a t-shirt that said magic on it, people would think I'm uh, a magician. They're going to want to see card tricks and I have to explain to them that's not what, what uh, I mean by magic. <laughs> no, but your own brand of magic is wonderful. So. Thank you. All right. With the new year, the new decade coming, um, fear is a big topic. Uh, obviously, fear is one of those things that uh, you know we're going to have to wrestle with for the rest of our lives, but we don't have to allow fear to, to stand in our way of our goals. It's true. And, and I think, you know, of course, bringing this back around to a, a coaching context and a life coaching context, one of the most ironic things that I see in the fear space is that folks who are circling coach trainings like ours and the process of gaining the confidence to move forward with your purpose and really tune into your true inner self and authentic skill set and actually take the plunge to go for it and becoming a coach is the exact same process that you end up working people through once you become a coach. Yes, I love that because what what you're saying basically is if you can um, dissolve, tackle uh, uh, the fear that you have on becoming a coach, then you could take that experience because now you've overcome your fear and help other people. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it's not only take that experience, but take the framework itself. Right, how you did it of how you did it and of acknowledging that for anyone, no matter what you want to accomplish in life, there, there are stages, there's contemplation, I think I want to do this, there's pre contemplation, even, you know, before the idea really sets in, there's taking action, and that's filled with discomfort. And then there's maintenance of the goal. And so the stages of change and the way that people actually learn and grow is pretty standard and consistent across lots of different categories. Yeah. And I think if you know that there is, um, you know, this journey involved, there are stages. It's like when you go through a breakup, you feel just panic and sadness and all these feelings can be overwhelming. But if you know that there's a process to grieving, you know that there is light at the end, you know, at the end of the tunnel, um, then it, it then you're able to kind of pull back and, and just have more uh, strength to push through. And so with fear and overcoming fears, uh, there are stages, there's a process. If you, and if you know that, then you can start moving forward. 100%. So, and the thing that I'd really like to highlight today is that when you're working as a coach, I think, you know, a lot of people who are listening to us might be saying, well, if it's me and I want to become a coach, or if I want to work as a coach, how do I actually do this? How do I actually move people through fear to action? And what we do as part of our intensive and the way that we train coaches 
is to combine theory with powerful questioning technique. So on one hand, you have the theoretical foundation of a concept, and that concept is sociologically based, anthropologically based, theoretically based, and it gives you information about how the world is set up and how our brains and bodies work. And then what coaching practitioners actually do is take that theory and translate it into a set of powerful questions that serve to move people forward in life. So that is literally how the science aligns with the function of coaching and why it works also. Yeah. So do you want to kind of like take the listeners through this? Yeah. A snapshot yeah. of this? All right, let's do I it. I do. I absolutely do. So we're going to take three theoretical concepts and we're going to take three powerful coaching questions that you can use if you're thinking about becoming a coach yourself or if you want to try this at home and start working with people in a coaching context. So the first thing that we want to talk about is the difference between feelings and facts. Yeah, because this is a big one. Because that can get very confusing for everybody. Um, the part of our brain that houses our feelings is our limbic system. And feelings are real and feelings are valid. One of the things that happens when your emotional brain, whether it's positive emotions or negative emotions, uh, turns on, the part of your brain that is logical and in charge of, of facts turns off. So if you're walking around and you're subject to feelings, um, quite literally, you're not able to access facts and logic at the same time. Yeah, I love that um, the metaphor of the elephant and the writer, that the elephant uh, is your feelings and the little writer on top is your logic. And, you know, no matter uh, what you're thinking logically, you know, the elephant's going to go where it's going to go. Correct. Absolutely correct. The feelings are really big because they overtake our, our structural systems in our brain. And there's a very good reason for this. So the, the second part of this concept is um, a phenomenon called negativity bias. And negativity bias is an evolutionary trait. You and I are here today because our ancestors were really great at avoiding danger. So, you know, I, I always love this work, ancestral work, as a way to really celebrate who we are. And when you look in the mirror and you see your nose, you can say, you know, that nose comes from a really long line of powerful survivors. Mm. I, I, who... I, I look at my nose and I just think it's fat because I have an insecurity with my nose. So let's reframe that, right? <laughs> Coaching technique 101, reframing. Right, right. How would it be for you to actually look at your nose and be like, damn, every other person who's had this nose since the dawn of civilization has survived? Oh, right. Yeah, because I um, I grew up with my grandma telling me that I had a strawberry nose, uh, a very wide nose, and she said that if you uh, pinch it long enough, it'll sharpen. So I used to sit in the bathroom in the dark holding my nose, and of course, uh, nothing happened. Um, but seeing it through that lens, seeing it through um, generations, seeing it through what you're talking about now uh, is definitely helpful. Awesome. Awesome. So what does negativity bias do? It is um, part of our, our nervous system response, part of our fight or flight response, and it's simply the part of your brain that is naturally attuned to danger. 
that which is threatening, that which is scary, that which is fear-based. And for a very, very long time, negativity bias was very helpful for humans because we used to have to physically outrun or fight whatever was causing us trouble. Yeah, so uh, your default to negativity is actually you, you protecting yourself. It is, but we are now in 2020 and very few people on this earth um, comparatively live in scenarios where the things that trouble us that we are afraid of are things that we can solve by either fighting or physically outrunning. So we kind of have this like hangover uh, evolutionary trait that doesn't necessarily serve us. So, you know, that's step one in coaching is to say to your clients or to yourself, hey, I'm afraid of this thing and the fear is really present. Is it possible that negativity bias is skewing my lens mm. and that the context in which this fear actually exists is much broader and there's a lot of other information to take into account beyond this tiny narrow thing that I'm really focusing on. It almost gets you to um, pull back uh, instead of you know drowning in your feelings uh, when you kind of understand you know how, how you work and, and why you're feeling this way. It, it gets you to pull back and see a, a bigger picture. And that bigger picture is ultimately what is life-giving. To, to be able to hold it up and say there's a really big difference between feelings and facts. And the fact that I'm experiencing these feelings is actually evolutionary. So is this a feeling or is this a fact? And if it's a fact, let's prove it. Yeah, most people um, don't question if it's a feeling or a fact. They feel something and they allow that feeling to hijack them, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. they remain subject to it. They yeah, remain and subject then to it. And they never, uh, you know, they never end up um, running toward or conquering their fears. So they just end up uh, living in a circle. And then, then fear, fear is what ends up uh, uh, keeping them stunted, the potential. Exactly. So guys, the, the coaching technique here is psychoeducation. It's introducing the concept of negativity bias to your clients or to people in your life so that somebody has the opportunity to consider the difference between feelings and facts. And that's the powerful question. Is this a feeling or is this a fact? So once you understand this, uh, then what? Well, that leads us to our next point, which is really what you were just talking about, about how most people just remain subject to their feelings if they don't really make changes, right? Um, so that's where social construction theory comes into play. Social construction theory is something that we teach in the intensive. It's one of the um, theoretical underpinnings of appreciative inquiry, which is an awesome, awesome coaching framework. And social construction theory is the idea that you have a cardboard box on your head when you're born and when you grow up and in life. And that cardboard box is filled with labels. And those labels tell you the level of education that you can receive, where you can live, how far you can travel, who you can love, what clothes you should wear, what you can look like, how you can and should adorn your body, the music that you can listen to, what you can do with your time, all of the things that go into the bucket of shoulds. 
Yes, they are the uh, the the blueprints that we try to trace as adults that uh, you know we've been um, programmed to believe, and and then all I think it's all, you know advertising, it's family, friends, society, culture, all of that kind of in one bucket. Yes, and and I love that you said it's programming, because you know programming is a construction all of its own. And so this is social construction theory, because if you take the box off of your head or, or you decide to walk away from that bucket of labels, the actual true reality is that life is pretty much limitless and you can change, you can grow, you can do things that you never believed you were capable of. And so a lot of the work that we do as coaches is helping someone to collect the courage to take the box off their head and for the first time look out into the world with clear eyes and see the expanse of possibility. Yeah. And, you know, as a coach, you're not just being a cheerleader, right? You're not just saying you can do it and, and all that. You're actually um, exploring, guiding and helping them um, create new blueprints. So they're not, uh, you know, tracing the old ones that, you know, that aren't uh, may not be honest to them anymore. And so what you're doing is you're kind of indirectly making them less afraid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, how exactly do I do this? Uh, the set of powerful questions that I like to use when working with social construction theory is to ask someone, whether it's a client or a friend or a family member or even somebody on our team, has it been done before? And if so, why not you? I love that question, especially today, because um, it, it, in the world that we live in, especially now with all this information and people you know creating new and exciting career paths and, and you know especially in coaching where there's just an, an explosion and, and an abundance um it's it's been done many people are are doing this around us and we see it <laughs> exactly and 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 you can access role models so you know we're doing this foundational work of saying okay you know you're experiencing fear that's normal and natural it's probably a result of negativity bias and then we're really clearing out the cobwebs and saying okay what is the social construction that you've been subject to what are the limitations that you've been telling stories about to yourself and if you want to know if you're full of shit or not has it been done before? Has anyone ever done this thing that you want to do? And if they have, what's stopping you? I love that question. What is stopping you? If you, answer, you? If you answer it honestly, that's where you mm -hmm. start. Mm -hmm. It's where you start. So then the next step is uh, our, our third theoretical concept, which is that of self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is one of the building blocks of confidence. Self-efficacy is this idea. So we're, we're going from, has it been done before? If so, so, why not you? To, okay, so how are you going to do it? And self-efficacy teaches us that we have all of the tools that we need to learn new things. Yeah, and I think this is, this is a really hard pill to swallow. Um, but I think once you realize that it's not about having a certain um, thing that you have to obtain. It's, it's, it's about believing that you have what it takes.
So it's inside you, you have this ability and you will uh, grow, adjust, or you will learn or you will build. Um, and, and, and that's the variable. I think that's where you actually start to believe that uh, everything, uh, er anything is possible. Anything is possible. And a lot of times that sentence, you know, anything is possible and you have what it takes. People assume that there's going to be an overnight transformation or it's going to be like flipping a switch. But in reality, the way that self-efficacy works and the way that building these muscles work is that you build up over time many, many, many small mastery experiences that give you tools, motivation, confidence, and, and basically evidence that you are capable, that things have gone well in the past, that you can learn and master new things, and that you are capable of harnessing resources to compel yourself to move forward in life. I love that you said evidence, that we are um, searching for evidence that we can, and they kind of become these notches in our belt that we, you know, that keep pushing us forward. Yeah. I mean, let's take, for example, your your journey with um, becoming an, an author of multiple published books. So you started out with writing in a lot of different different ways. If you're looking back along the way, what were some milestones that led you to believe you were capable of writing a book? Getting well, one was actually doing it. So starting with um, an idea, you know, then one chapter, one paragraph, one sentence. Um, actually having a book in my hand, so just self-publishing, and you know, of course, it, 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 there was typos, and it was very, <laughs> very, very John Kim. But to actually hold a book in my hand and flip through it gave me the internal shift that you could go from idea to creation, and, and that it is possible. And it became a tangible thing. Yeah, like I was able to touch it, flip through the pages. I was like, oh, this is something I had in my my head. Now it's in my hand. So that was that was kind of the first the first domino. And so it moved from idea to reality. What about your work um, in blogging and writing for other publications? Yeah, I think with that, it was um, going from, um, you know, just kind of putting your head down and writing in your uh, diary and posting, posting them for years, and then starting to see your articles on like, you know, uh, Psychology Today, Mind, Body, Green. What, once I saw my words on other platforms, that shifted something in me. Mm-hmm. It shifted something in you in terms of um, the value, what you're capable of doing, how far you're capable of going. So what we're seeing there is the lived experience of John dismantling his own social construction. Also evidence. And evidence. Yep, that's that's the self-efficacy. It's the belief that I can do this. I can do new things. And And what we do as coaches is dump all the life Legos out with our clients and put them all out on the ground and say, okay, you know, what's a, a cognitive distortion that needs to go in the trash bin? What's an action step that needs to be moved up to this month, next month? Um, you know, what is something that you can do today? Then motivating factors, what will happen if you never get on your path? Yeah, and, and I got to, can I just insert something? I was going to say, um, it's very hard, uh, and even just using my example, for us to see our evidence and I think the value of a coach and, and, and you know one of the things that Noel has given me um, as a friend is to show me or to let me know that this has happened 
and this means something. So it, it's really hard because we judge ourselves and we minimize our own accomplishments to see evidence. And I think that uh, if you have a coach, the power is the coach being able to show you the evidence. Oh, yeah. And and that's that's part of coach training is learning how to see and then reframe things that people tell you from a strengths-based perspective. For me, that skill has become so entrenched in my way of being, I literally do it all day long in every aspect of my life. I can give you an example from one of my um, more recent coaching calls, calls with a client. I had a client who said to me, um, my boss emailed me a job description for a position that is similar to hers, the boss, in another city. And why the hell would she do that? I'm not qualified for that job. Is she telling me I should start looking? Mm. So putting on my coaching hat from a strengths-based perspective, I said to my client, hey, is there a chance that your boss was actually showing you a job she thinks that you'd be really good at and letting you know that she thinks you're capable of growth and a promotion? Mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting, right? Same yeah. scenario, right, different right. lens. Different one lens. One was fear, one was power. This is why everyone wants to be Noel's friend. <laughs> 20, free coaching 24-7. It's true. It's really true. It's really true. So, you know, let's tie this all together with a bow. How, how does this work? So, you know, what we have here is... Um, is is a, is a three-pronged process. So, you know, looking at negativity bias, your fears, are they grounded in feeling or fact? And then, you know, this is specifically talking to all of you guys who are out there circling our program, wanting to become coaches. The thing that you're being called to do, the thing that you know you'd be really good at, has it been done before by anyone else? And if so, why not you? And then I want to drop in a punch here. What will your life be like five years from now and 10 years from now if you don't get on your path? Yeah, that's another really powerful question. What is at it stake is. if you don't? Yep. And so then once we get over that mountain of fear busting, then we move into the action steps, gathering evidence for the path forward, making a list of things that you have learned, changed, done, and accomplished that were scary at first. And then that sets the foundation for future growth forward. Yes. So if you're listening to this, um, first apply this to yourself, but also know that as you do, uh, these are some of the techniques that you can use to help other people to actually coach. Yeah. And, and what I, what I love about this set of techniques is it highlights the science of coaching and it highlights the reason that coach training programs exist because the, the underpinning theory is incredibly important to understand so that when you're asking those powerful questions, you as a practitioner are holding in your mind, why? and the process flow and where that fits into your client's arc of change. And it really is a truly valuable skill set that benefits so many people. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for um, this conversation. It's so timely with um, the new year. Yes, yes. So guys, think about your future year ahead and what fears you might like to 
step aside from in order to get what you truly want out of life. Yeah, guys, make this a year that changes everything and uh, come ride with us. Check uh, check us out at uh, at uh, journey.co. And uh, if you're interested in more techniques and you feel that you have a tug, uh, a feeling that you want to help other people, um, do it with us. It's fun. It is fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, be well. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.